In my limited time here in the Northwest, next month it'll be 25 years. There are three evangelists that I could name that have not just impacted Cornerstone but reverberated across the entire landscape of the Northwest. And that's just my estimation. Brother Ari Prado, Brother Cody Marks, and Brother Nathaniel Urshan. I really believe that God has brought these men They're in demand all over the world, but they've been allowed to cross the paths of us in the Northwest. And I really believe that they have helped us to attain, in part, what we are experiencing here tonight. I have full confidence in the man that's coming here in just a few moments. In fact, Brother Urshan was preaching two years ago and I've had many ministers since that particular service say that it was one of the most spiritually impacting services they have ever been in in their entire life. And so would you put your hands together under the Lord as the man of God comes. Let's continue to clap our hands unto the Lord and give him praise tonight. Let's just continue this beautiful atmosphere of worship. Let's give him praise. Let's give him praise. Let's give him praise. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. How many know that he's worthy? He's altogether lovely. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. There is an electricity in this atmosphere tonight. And this is the kind of atmosphere that I think you said it well, Brother Mayo, heavenly places. Heavenly places. And in the Northwest, it is obvious that there is a rumbling. Tectonic plates are shifting. Princes of cities are being cast down. I said they're coming down. And the name of Jesus is being exalted. Ah, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. And it is not hyperbole. It is not trying to gain favor with Brother Mayo by saying this. But the truth is that it is, he has had a great role in that spirit of revival that swept across the Northwest. Amen. 
And Cornerstone is playing a pivotal role in our day and in our hour. And I think we've just scratched the surface of what God's going to do. Amen. Our greatest stories are still yet to be told. And I give honor to you, Pastor Mayo. We love you. We appreciate you. Amen. And your family and the ministry that is here. Thank you for your confidence. Amen. Spears tip, sword's edge, thrust. That is a Brother Mayo conference. Amen. (laughs) Hey, Lord, you know what you're getting. We're going to take dominion in Jesus' name. We're not coming to participate. We're coming to take over. We're coming to take over in the name of Jesus Christ. We're coming to cast out devils. We're we're coming to run circles around false doctrine and cast down pagan spirits and heathen spirits that have gained a foothold. Uh, Amen. I remember something you told me, Brother Mayo, back in your old building. You told me, that in order to gain dominion in a region that you had to exhibit the exact opposite of the spirit of that region. And so we're not coming for quiet church. We're coming to tear this place apart. We're coming to tear the roof off and let men down that they might touch Jesus. Hallelujah. Tear the roof off your inhibitions. Tear the roof off of false doctrine. Tear the roof off of denominalism. Ah, let's do something Pentecostal in this house. Because... Amen. And I give honor to the speakers that have already gone before me, Brother Bass and... You, you minister to me, Brother Bass. And then today, the men of God that spoke today are, are presenting something that, that our world desperately needs to hear. Both speakers ministered. They, they touched our hearts. And out of that, I got, I got the strong impression that leadership and pastoring is a high and exalted position. And I want to walk humbly before the Lord. Thank you for your, thank you for your voices. Amen. Brother Millington, Brother Shoemaker, very used of God. I'm looking forward to tomorrow and, and the remainder of this conference. But if you've got your Bible, let's go ahead and open to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. Second Kings chapter five and I will tell you that I feel I feel very at home here at Cornerstone. The spirit that is here, the revival that is here. You can go to certain places in the United States and around the world where where even though geographically it's different, spiritually it's the same spot. Amen. It's it's El Bethel. It's a place where the God of the house of God resides. It's a place where ladders touch earth and they go to heaven. Amen. It's the house of God. 
And so I give honor to this great assembly. Second Kings chapter five, verse nine. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot. And he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, go and wash in Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand, call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. His servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan. According to the saying of the man of God. Then his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. I've noticed as the speakers have spoken this week that there's a theme emerging I want to do what the man of God says I want to take it I want to run with it I believe in that I believe in the word of God I believe in establishing heaven's narrative and tonight by the help of God I want to preach to you for a few moments I I don't feel worthy of preaching what I'm about to preach. I don't even know if I can preach it right. It's abstract to some degree. It's difficult to get my hands around it, but I just know that I can't get away from it. And so if I fall flat, just pick me up and let's run the aisles together. And I just think God's going to do something special. I think he's going to do something special. Hallelujah. I want to preach to you on this thought, the stuff that's in these waters, the stuff that's in these waters, amen. God bless you tonight. You can be seated in the presence of God. It matters what you believe. It matters that you read your Bible. It matters that you pray. Contrary to what many people think and believe, you will not go to heaven unless you pray. Amen. It matters what church you go to. There's a lot of churches that people can attend and they attend for various reasons. They attend because of music. They attend because they are, that church will use them. 
An old trick of false prophets is when they see people being pulled out of their church, they will make them a deacon overnight. Make them a preacher overnight just to keep them involved. And the problem with that is you don't make a saint that way. You just make an involved sinner. So it matters the church you go to. And just like it was a particular river in that day and it mattered. There is a particular church. There's a particular doctrine. There's a particular walk with God. There are particular scriptures that you must obey if you want to enter the kingdom of God. It matters. It matters. It matters. It matters that you're baptized in Jesus' name. It matters that you speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. It matters that you know who the Father is. Because if you believe not that I am He, you shall die in your sins. It matters. It matters that you're comfortable praising God. It matters that that you are comfortable dancing in the Spirit. It matters that you know the voice of the shepherd. It matters. There's a peculiarity and there is a uniqueness to what you are in. And if you'll let me use the metaphor, the waters you are in. And to understand this idea, you probably need to walk with me a little bit through the scripture because it has a lot to do with patterns. There are patterns in the Bible. There are patterns in this story that I hope I can get my hands around them. They're hard to define. They're hard to articulate because they're abstract. They're heavenly things. But the patterns matter. There was something about Naaman's environment that brought him to a place where God healed him. There was something about that river. Something about that country. Something about that man of God that caused leprosy to loose its hold and to restore him with the skin of a baby. A lot of it had to do with patterns. A lot of it had to do with heaven and earth coming into sync. A lot of it had to do with a blueprint that was established in that story. I don't know that Naaman knew what was going on, but I have a feeling Elisha knew what was going on. And I hope tonight that by the help of God, some people here will know what's going on. Because I think we skim over Bible stories not knowing that there's blueprints. There's blueprints with how we worship God and blueprints that define the church that we go to and blueprints that def- define whether or not we listen to a man of God or, or someone who claims to be a man of God. Amen. And so, you know, the difference between, the difference between Moses and Balaam was patterns. It was patterns. A lot of folks don't realize that they were contemporaries. They lived at the same time. Moses and Balaam both talked to God. And God talked back. Both of them could see into heavenly things. 
Both of them lived on mountains. Balaam goes up into a mountain and he looks out and he sees Israel and he blesses Israel. Moses goes up into a mountain and he blesses Israel. Both of them used of God. Both of them in touch and in tune with God. But one of them dies in ignominy later. One of them sells out for money. And one of them goes on to lead the greatest movement the world has ever seen. One of them goes to become the father of Western civilization when he receives tablets from heaven. And God shows men how to rise up out of barbarism and rise up out of chaos and rise up out of the darkness and the ignorance that that kept men shackled. God gave words to men, the word of God. The difference was the pattern. Amen. Moses, when he... When he saw into the heavenlies, the Bible says that he came down and and God told him, see that thou make it according to the pattern that I showed thee in the mount. And Moses began trying to recreate on earth what was up in heaven. I can't describe it all, but it was fantastic. It's so fantastic that it scares people when they look at my face. I have to put a veil over the top of my face because people can't handle the heavenly influence that's been in my life. And I saw things that will blow your mind. And I don't know if I'm going to get it right, but I'm going to do my best. And I'm going to recreate on earth what I saw in heaven. There's a pattern to what he did. And there's a pattern to this service tonight. And if we do this thing right, God's going to come down and God's going to visit us and God's going to baptize us and he's going to dwell among his people. Come on, let's get the pattern right. Let's get the heavenly blueprint right. Let's have a move of God. Balaam, on the other hand, says, I'll sell the pattern out if you give me enough money. And there are men who know what's in that Bible, but they will not preach it. They have seen that you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, but they will not preach it. Now, they'll claim to do it, or they'll claim to to distort it and try to find a compromise with different theological camps. And it's all so they can keep the money flowing in, and so they can keep their appeal uh, as as wide as they can keep it. And somebody said, I don't know if he's a man of God or not. He said, I, I, I said, does he baptize in Jesus' name? He said, I don't know. I said, then he's not a man of God. Because if he's a man of God, you'll know if he baptizes in Jesus' name. You'll know if he's earnestly contended for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. You'll know if he's in love with the mighty God in Christ. And everybody from the least to the greatest will know. If you don't know, then he's not. Praise God. The pattern. You got to get the pattern right. And uh, the pattern went like this. It's something that John the Revelator saw when he looked up into the heavens and he saw four and 20 elders. And he saw a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And he saw seven lamps 
that were there and that were lit and, and, and they burned before the presence of God. The Bible calls those lamps the spirits of God. Amen. And, and this pattern is repeated over and over and over again. It's there. It's in the Bible. I can't get away from it. I try to articulate it. I hope I can, my tongue can wrap itself around the idea. But the shoemaker, I heard what you said today. The problem's not with God getting the message to us. The problem is me getting it out to where it's not so garbled that people have no idea what you're talking about. But, but I believe those four and 20 elders are the 12, 12 patriarchs of the Old Testament and the 12 apostles of the New Testament. I believe it's an Old and a New Testament dynamic that must come together for the final purpose of God to be revealed. And I want that influence in my life. Those, those 24 men represent doctrine. They represent foundation. They, they represent authority. Whatever I do, I want those men in agreement with what it is. When I preach, I want the apostles to say amen. When I preach, I want the patriarchs to say, that's right. We are encompassed with a great cloud of witnesses. And I want every one of them to testify that that is the word of God. Hallelujah. I don't want the church that the Pope built. And I don't want the church that John Wesley built. And I don't want the church that Martin Luther built. Uh, honey, I want the church that Jesus built. I want him to be the chief cornerstone. I want, I want him to be built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. I want it to be something that will shake heaven and that will rattle hell. I want it to be blood washed. I want it to be Holy Ghost filled. And you can rip your jeans and you can grow a goatee and you can take off your tie and you can try to be relevant. But the only thing I'm interested in is the approval of those elders and the lamb that was slain. That's the kind of relevance I'm looking for tonight. Something that'll break the shackle. Something that'll kick open the prison door and set the captive free. I'm not trying to become more like the world to deliver the world. I'm trying to be caught up into heavenly places. <laughs> so the first thing I want to focus on is the 12. And you'll find out what that has to do here in just a moment. I, before I get to why it relates to this story. I, I want to try to get a grip on what it means. And maybe, maybe I can use some Bible to help me with this. Uh, the Bible says that Elijah is facing false prophets. If you read it very fast, it looks like 400. But if you read it slow, it looks like it's 800. 400 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of the grove. And it's 800 to 1. For all of you that feel like you're the only one that believe this, you've, you've got the wrong interpretation of the scripture. 
If you're, if you're a defeatist and you have no faith, you'll be thinking stuff like this. I'm the only one in my school. I'm the only one in my, on my job. I'm the only one uh, in my family. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. And you got to look at this thing through the eyes of faith. When God sends somebody to do a job, he just sends what's necessary. He didn't need to send an army. All he needed was one. All they needed was one. The, the concentration of the Holy Ghost is so powerful in one apostolic church that the Bible said that one would put a thousand to flight and two would put ten thousand to flight. If I needed more, then I could have Jesus said, don't you think I could have called twelve legions of angels? But I didn't need that. I just needed one to redeem man. I just needed one to go to the cross. I just needed one to get dominion over death and hell. One man faces 800. And they put on a show, Brother Mayo. They put on a show. I'm so glad that we're not about a show tonight. Praise God. I'm so glad that we don't have plastic smiles and choreographed. You know what I'm talking about? And I know, hey, listen, I, uh, song leaders tell them you need to smile, you need to demonstrate worship. That's great. We are leading in worship. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that, that, that look like the world and are sensual and have no dominion and they have a plastered on smile and, and, and they're clapping just because that's what you're supposed to do to get through the night. And they look like they could wake up at three in the morning and still be doing that like a robot, like a mannequin. And the grin is too wide and it doesn't reach their eyes. And it's not the joy of the Lord. It's choreography. And it's designed to deceive people and dupe people. I don't want a show. I don't want a show. Naaman, a show will not cure your leprosy. A show will not set you free. I know you want to show, Naaman. I know you want to see him wave his hand over you, but I'm not here to play games. I'm here to have a move of God. I'm here to pray until the power of the Lord comes down. I'm here for the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. And so revival doesn't come to the Northwest if there's a show. Now other churches will give you a show. Other rivers will give you a show. But not this water. There's different stuff in this water. There's different stuff in this atmosphere. There's sin remitting power in this atmosphere. There is wonder working power in the blood. There is the quickening of the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus, help me. Help me, Jesus. I don't just want to preach a pretty message. I don't want to just have fancy words and cool little thoughts. I want something to break in the power of God. I want something to break in, 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 the, in Satan's kingdom. I want something. And Elijah watched them. And when they got done, the Bible says he gathered the stones. Twelve stones. And the Bible tells us what they are. We don't have to guess what they are. They're, they're, they were one, there was one for each tribe. And he rebuilt. See, in order to rebuild, it had to have been built before. 
And so I picture it overgrown, weedy, moss-covered, neglected. A big part of serving God is just maintaining. Don't ever let the devil pull your altar down. Keep your altar built strong. Keep the foundation of this thing strong. Don't, don't ever let a day slip by without calling on the name of Jesus and without getting back in touch. Don't let the weeds grow up around your altar. Uh, Proverbs, he said, I went by the garden of the slothful man and it was overgrown. I don't want my walk with God to get overgrown. I don't want my marriage to get overgrown. I don't want my internet habits to get overgrown. I don't want the devil pulling down my altar because when the, when the altar is pulled down and it's neglected, the fire doesn't fall. The rain doesn't fall. Famine sets in. Jezebel takes over and false prophets thrive. So he rebuilt. And that original 12 is the foundation we're standing on tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We're standing on the original 12. We're standing on the Old Testament. Whew, I can't help but see the, see the woman in Revelation 12. The Bible said she stood on the lesser light while she was clothed in the greater light. We're standing on the law, but we're clothed in the New Testament. We're living in the New Testament. And, and, and we, we stand on the shoulders of men who fought for the oneness of God. Let, let, me, let me tell you something a little about heavenly things and patterns. I believe one of the reasons why Daniel was not afraid of the lion's den is because, number one, he was contending for the oneness of God. I'm not going to bow to anybody else. I'm not going to worship anybody else. I don't care what the king says. I don't care what the decree states. I'm going to continue to glorify God. And I think another thing is he had peered into heavenly places and had seen heavenly patterns. And when he saw those heavenly patterns, he came back down to earth and he said... If you saw the beasts I saw up there, I saw lions with eagle's wings. I saw leopards with foreheads and wings. I saw a beast exceeding great whose look was more stout than his fellows. His teeth were iron. His claws were brass. Ah, if that's what I got to face without God, bring on the lions, baby. If that's all I got to face, just bring on the lions. I'd rather face the lions down here than the hell that's over there. Than the, I'd rather... I'm not going to go one day without praying. I'm not going to go one day without talking to the living God of heaven and earth. If you knew what was swirling around in this atmosphere, you'd be praying with me. I'm scared out of my mind not to pray. I'm scared out of my mind. If you saw what I saw. And I see patterns. You can be seated. So. After he builds the altar. <laughs> he says, all right, I need. I need buckets of water. And they bring the first batch, and then that's not enough. I need another batch. And it brings another batch. Is that enough? And, and imagine the sacrifice in a famine. And they find it again, and I need another batch. And four, four batches, they bring the water. And it's 12 buckets. <sighs> and I see 
a foreshadowing of 12 more that would stand on the shoulders of the 12 original. I see 24 right there. And I see that when you put the two together, fire falls. When you put the two together, false prophets run. When you put the two together, you overcome Jezebel. I'm trying to tell you, we need to have apostolic church. We, we need to have the New Testament and the Old Testament connected. When you put hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, together with the revelation of Jesus Christ, you get Jesus I, you, maybe you see a story of Elijah and bullocks and, and water, but all I see is repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the Holy Ghost. I see a dead bullock, I see water, and I see fire falling. I see Acts 2.38 because I'm looking for patterns. I'm looking for patterns. So when you walk into your city, don't you be afraid of Jezebel. Don't you be afraid. Don't you be afraid of this world. You walk in there with the authority of the elders behind you and with the power. Of both Old and New Testament together. Uh, This isn't just any church. This is a church that's a tongue-talking church that also knows there's one God that's old and new. There's nobody, my, my, I feel the Holy Ghost right now in the name of Jesus. Help me, God, to say this. In the name of Jesus, there's nobody better suited for this hour than apostolics. It's not Trinitarians. It's not emergence. It's not compromisers. It's not denomination. Honey, it's apostolics. We've got a hold on the old. And we got a hold on the new. And when the show's over, baby, we know how to bring the fire. We know how to bring the fire. Come on, build that altar. Bring that water. Put them both together and watch God show up. Preach the oneness of God and preach it strong. Preach holiness and separation. You preach that original principle. You feel that? That's a groundswell. That's a groundswell of what happens when the four and twenty elders say, Amen. Amen. So be it. And so, one God people standing on a one God foundation. Stop being afraid of being one God. There's a world out there that thinks Christians are basically pagan because they believe in three persons. And for every Trinitarian that ever hears this message, whether on Holy Ghost Radio or here, I know it's not three gods, it's three persons. And I know, I know that you're trying to split hairs with that, but at the end of the day, there's three different personalities and you can't get past that. And the truth is there's one God. There is one God. And he's the Father, 
the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I'm rebuilding that apostolic altar. I'm rebuilding Reuben and Zebulun and Issachar and Asher. I'm rebuilding Naphtali. I'm rebuilding Levi. I'm I'm rebuilding. I'm pouring on Peter. I'm pouring on James. I'm pouring on John. Come on, I need three more buckets. I'm pouring on Bartholomew. I'm pouring on... And when I get the 12, and I get the 12 together, something starts rumbling. Something starts falling. And you're not going to have to worry about getting people to come to your church. All you're going to have to tell them is let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. All you're going to have to do is say, come on on a Thursday night. Come on on a Wednesday night. Come on on a Friday night and watch the fire fall. And when the fire falls, you're going to know. You're going to know. I feel fire falling in Spokane. I feel fire. Ah! Don't you be afraid of that. That's the altar. That's the altar that we stand on. That's the altar that you put the bullock on. That's the altar that God recognizes. That's a one God altar. That's a holiness altar. That's a separation altar. That's a blood washed altar. Why? Why are you? Why are you talking about this with regards to Naaman? Because I believe there's stuff in that water. In order to, you can be seated. In order to, to go to where, and and forgive me if I take my time tonight. I this is burning inside of me. In order to understand the, the, the story of Naaman, you really need to go back to Joshua. Same river, same water. But before Naaman ever got there, God put some stuff in that water. When they walk through that water, the Bible says that Joshua said, before we get in there, boys, he said, I want you to take 12 stones. I want you to lay them along the riverbank. I want you to put 12. These are going to be visible stones. You can touch these stones. You can, you can handle these stones. They're concrete. They are, they are rather, they're stone. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I 
and, and, and that those original 12 would be visible. They would be touchable. They would be physical, tangible. They were walking with them. They were, they were leading them. And, and, and they said, I want you to put them on that riverbank because they're going to represent 12 tribes that God delivered out of Egypt. I want it to be a memorial that the day will come when our children say, what meaneth these stones, that there will be an answer that will be given, that this is the way God brought us out. Amen. This is the way God delivered us. And, I, and I'll tell you this right now. I, I want, one of the reasons I insist on preaching this right now is I want to pass this down to my children. I need my sons to know the way that we came out. And I need, I'm preparing for my grandchildren, even though I don't have any grandchildren. But, but, but I'm preparing for them because I know they're coming. And, and the heritage of the apostolic church has got to be that we, we teach them what the stones mean. We teach them how we came out of sin. How we came out of bondage. It, I want them to know Acts 2.38. They've got to know John 3.5. They've got to know Deuteronomy 6.4. They've got to know 1 Timothy 3.16. They've got to know Colossians 2.9-11. They've got to know it. They've got to know it. They've got to know it. But the first 12 you're going to put there, they're going, to be, they're going to be physical. But when the water parted, he said, boys, there's a second 12. And this 12, we're going to put in the river. And I wonder why in the world would he stick them in the river? Because nobody's ever going to see them. Oh, no, yeah, they're going to see them. But these are going to be hidden. These are, you're not going to see these. These are going to be a liquid type of a an experience you're going to have to have revelation from god to see these there are going to be 12 that come that god will reveal one day amen and so the 24 work together and they're in that river once again it's the 12 patriarchs it's the 12 apostles one would be easily seen one would be revealed later and I, I don't have a lot of Bible, but I just believe it with all my heart. One of the reasons I believe it is because the starting point and the end point was the same. Joshua started at the same place, and he ended at the same place that Elijah did when he parted the waters. They, they started at the same place, and they went to the same place. And I believe that when Elijah walked through, he walked right by those 12. And he said, that's where they are. That's what I heard about all this time. I think God gave him a glimpse of Peter, James, and John and the 12 that were going to come. There was going to be a day of Pentecost. There was going to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And Elijah got a glimpse of a hidden 12 that nobody else got a chance to see. But Elijah saw when he when he parted the waters. And I also believe that when Elisha reparted the waters... He saw the same thing on his way back. He saw, I think that each generation has to get it for themselves and they have to see it for themselves. And it's not enough for, for, for Inayershin the first to get it. Inayershin the second has to get it too. You gotta part the waters. You gotta get a revelation of the four and twenty. You gotta get a revelation of how the kingdom works. And it's not enough for Brother Mayo to get it. The next generation has to get it. Elijah and Elisha both. Because that's the stuff that's in these waters. And so when Naaman stands in there, that water's swirling around revelation. That water's swirling around oneness. That water's swirling around holiness. 
that water is swirling around the Ark of the Covenant and it's swirling around the day of Pentecost and there's stuff in there. In the name of Jesus, you got to get a grip on it. You got to, you got, you think it's an accident that when Elijah was looking for somebody to take his place, he's looking for somebody to throw his mantle on that, that, that he, he, he's praying, God, lead me. I've been in the desert. I'm scared of Jezebel. I need somebody to follow after me. And as he walks by, he's walking by. Not that guy, not that guy, not that guy. He comes up, he sees Elisha. And the Bible says that Elisha is plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. How many? 24. And the spirit of Christ started thumping on the inside of Elijah's chest. The Bible says he walked by. I want the guy that knows how to harness the 24. I want to know the guy that knows how to put the yoke on the old and the new. And then he starts pulling. Then he starts pulling. And he starts breaking up fallow ground. I, that's the guy I'll throw my mantle on. That's the guy that knows how they fit seamlessly together. That's the guy. My God in heaven. It's not going to be any other kind of guy. It's got to be that kind of guy. I need a man that knows how to bring out of his treasure things both old and new. Every scribe instructed out of the word of God has got a handle on Moses. And he's got a handle on Jesus. I got to know how to harness both of them. And if you can understand that, then that's the guy I throw my mantle on. That's the guy that'll follow me from Jericho to Bethel to Gilgal. That's the guy that'll see me go up in the chariot. Harnessing. I think we need a generation of people that can harness this. Is that all right? Can we, can we just have a generation of people that love the word of God? That, that, that read this Bible until the sword cleaves unto their hand. Until it becomes an extension. And they can drive the Philistines out of the bean field. Can, can we have somebody that is so in love with this. That they get caught up into heavenly places. And they know the voice of the shepherd. And when they hear his voice the Bible says it would be a whisper behind them. And they would hearken. Because this thing's too beautiful. And you won't backslide when you learn how to harness both. Well, well, I, I'm not going to go to that church because they, they, they preach holiness there. And there's stuff you can't do. And, 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 and they, they're just old-fashioned. And, and look, 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 look at this one over here. Look at this big building. Look at this. These guys are cutting edge. And they talk my language. And, 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 and we, can, we can all swim in the same swimming pool together. And... not realizing that the treasures of heaven are right there in front of you and if you can't plow with 12 yoke of oxen then I don't think the mantle's going to fall I think think there's scriptures in here that, that are so so rich 
and so powerful. Sometimes I'm sitting there, I just start crying. I'm sitting there and I just go, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I got to write it down because if I don't write it down, I'll forget it because the devil doesn't want me hanging on to it. You know what I'm talking about, preacher? You know what I'm talking about, missionary? You, when you're sitting there and boom, God just opens up the whole thing. He parts the waters and there's the 12 stones. There's the revelation. There, I, My God, that's what he meant. I told some of my preacher friends the other day, you got to get a revelation of both testaments and you got to put them together because the whole thing comes to life. I, 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 was, I was reading uh, the scripture one time. And, and it said that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And, and it says that they would mount up with wings as eagles. It says they'd run and they'd, they'd not be weary. And they'd walk and not faint. And we, sang, we sing that. We used to sing that growing up. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Now that, when they sing that, my, my soul just is lifted up. I love that song. And, and, and we, Isaiah preached about it. And, and, and spoke about it. That's the Old Testament. And, and in the New Testament, people have taken it and watered it down to where it's like a meme. Like it's, a, like it's an inspirational saying. Well, if you wait on the Lord, then you'll feel better after a while. Don't give up. I know it's Thursday, but Sunday's coming. And we'll get back to church and we'll get a few goosebumps and we'll, we'll stomp our feet and, and we'll run the aisles and... And, 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 and you'll feel better and you'll mount up with wings as eagles and you'll be encouraged again. And, we, and, and I, I know it does mean that. It does mean that spiritually we'll be edified. I get that. But there's a whole lot more to that than just a spiritually edifying encouragement song or statement. That scripture is pointing directly at the resurrection and it's pointing at Jesus Christ. And what it means is if we wait on the Lord, one day we will renew our strength. What Adam lost, we're going to get back. The strength that Adam had is going to come back. Jesus is going to restore it back. We're going to have dominion back. We're going to have power back. We're going to be sons of God, daughters of God. And it's talking about the, the resurrection when you shall mount up with wings as eagles and you shall run and not be weary and you shall walk and not faint as the mortal puts on immortality and the corruptible puts on incorruption. It's not an inspirational saying. It's a prophecy of what's going to happen when you're saved. And if you can harness the old and harness the new, all of a sudden things come to life that will blow your mind. I, I don't think that the fire shut up in Jeremiah's bones just means we get excited. shut up in my bones somebody takes off doing a little glory spell <laughs> and I like it just like everybody else likes it it is like fire shut up in my bones but I actually think one day bones are going to come together I think there's something that gets down in our bones matter of fact I know it does 
It's the same stuff that got down in Elisha's bones that when they threw the dead servant on top of it, well, he came back to life again because there was stuff in those bones. I think it's the same stuff that on the, in the valley of dry bones, they came back together bone to his bone. By the pot, can these bones live? I believe these bones are going to live. I believe that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and of the marrow. There's stuff that gets down in these bones and one day, honey, a trumpet's going to sound and there's going to be a fire shut up in these bones. Come on. Put the yoke on the old. Put the yoke on the new and pull, pull, pull. You got to get a revelation. That's the stuff that's swirling in these waters. See, I, I think that when John the Baptist stood in those waters and he looked out at them and he preached at them and he talked about being content with their wages and he talked about not stealing from people, he said, think not to see that you are children of Abraham because God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Y'all, he's talking about them little rocks laying on the shore, but see, I think there's stuff in these waters. I think there's stuff in these waters. And this wasn't a glib saying that he was just saying off the tip of his tongue. This was a prophecy that the hidden 12 are going to bring forth children unto Abraham. And they're going to be white and they're going to be black and they're going to be yellow and they're going to be red. And you with your Jewish pedigree and your endless genealogy, I'm telling you that God is able to these stones, these stones, these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And they're going to be in Spokane and they're going to be in Memphis and they're going to be in Louisiana and they're going to be in California and he's going to raise them up from these stones he's going to raise them up that's the stuff in these waters I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel like here right now in Spokane, I feel like there's, there's some young people that are learning how to put a yoke on the old and the new. And when they figure out how to get a hold of Moses and Jesus, I feel like mantles are going to start falling. I feel like... You're not going to want to compromise. You're not going to want to backslide. You're going to be able to run. 
the enemies of God out of the territory that God has given you. I'm not Jesus' name because my dad was. I'm Jesus' name because I know the stuff that's in these waters. I know the stuff that makes the leper clean. I know the stuff that sets the captive free. I'm halfway through. I, I, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not going to get the rest of it out right, Brother Mayo, but I'm going to try. Because if you can understand the stones, then you can understand the seven dips. I'm going to take my time with this. I want to get this right. Dip seven times, Naaman. You've got to dip seven times. And you can't understand that 12, that 24, and that seven unless you can understand the 24 elders and the seven lamps. He was taking a heavenly blueprint and laying it down on top of Naaman's experience. And if you can get all those elements right, leprosy's got to go. Cancer's got to go. False doctrine's got to go. Carnality's got to go. In the name of Jesus. I feel like I'm tapping into something cosmic. I feel like I'm tapping into something. There's a rumbling in the northwest. And things are shaking. And they're moving. And it's a book of revelation dynamic. And God wants it to fill the earth. Listen to me, young man. Don't you sell out. Don't you sell out for a light show and sell out for a trendy little whatever. You got to grab a hold of this thing. There's a heavenly pattern. You have to see those lamps. As the Spirit of God, as the Spirit of God moves, we know what this Spirit is. We know what those seven lamps are. Isaiah tells us, chapter 11, verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. God give us understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Seven that would go before the man of God. My servant. This servant. This servant. He's a rod out of the stem of Jesse. He's the branch that grows out of the roots. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jesus. And when Moses saw that. And he called in the the workers of gold, and he said, make it one beaten work. See, it's significant that it's a beaten work. Because they would beat Jesus. And it would be one. And the main trunk, and then three branches on each side, and 
that, it's kind of like that. It's not perfect, but it, it's, that's what I saw up there. And when that priest would take it, and the Spirit of the Lord would guide him, the darkness would have to let go. Hallelujah. This is why 25 years ago, when a priest, a man of God, came to Spokane, he didn't have a whole lot, but he had the seven spirits of God. And into a dark place, he started marching. He walked into the darkness of lust and the darkness of addiction and the darkness of false doctrine and the, doc- the darkness of apostolic dysfunction. And he walked into that darkness and the Spirit of God. You got to pray every day and you got to fill that lamp up every day. Matter of fact, twice a day, man of God. And you got to pray and you got to keep the lamp full. But if the Spirit will move, the darkness will go. So, Brother Haddon, I came to your church on Monday night, and I saw a room, and I saw precious people, but what I really saw was a man with a seven-branched candlestick. I got to keep it full. It's intimidating. It's difficult. The darkness is so thick sometimes, but you got to keep it lit. Fast forward 25 years from now. I believe there's going to be something that blows your mind in Portland, Oregon. I believe there's going to be something that blows your mind in the cities of these home missionaries. Because it's not one high priest. Now we've got hundreds. And they're all walking. And they're all carrying the seven. The spirit of wisdom. And the spirit of understanding. And the spirit of knowledge. And of the fear of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a work of the Spirit. I can't get away from that. Every time I open up that Bible, I see, I see that seven dynamic. I see that working of that seven. And whenever I see it, I see Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord. You had to have those 12 candlesticks to see the 12 pieces of showbread. Yeah. 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 Hallelujah. You can't even understand the New Testament without the Holy Ghost. That's the stuff that was in that water when Naaman dipped seven times. Why? Why do I have to do it seven times? Because there's a heavenly pattern, Naaman. There's something you're doing that, that, is, that is crucial. Hallelujah. And it will be a work of the Spirit. Yes. See, I, 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 I just believe that whenever we have a work, and, and what this boils down to is we've got to have the authority of the Old and New Testament, and we've got to have a move of the Holy Ghost. That's what, that, that, that's what I'm really preaching about tonight. When I talk about the seven, I'm talking about a move of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the Spirit guiding us, the Spirit leading us. In the name of Jesus. See, I, I, I just believe 
that, that, that when Jesus looked at the disciples that day and he said, the people haven't eaten anything. They're, they're hungry. Why don't you feed them? We don't have any food and, and, and the city's far away. Well, let, let's send them. Well, they'll faint in the way. What, what do you have? We don't, we don't have hardly anything. Well, what do you have on this little kid? And he's got five loaves and two fish. And I just see the smile on Jesus' face. That's enough. That's all you need. See, Brother Haddon, I know sometimes it looks like it's so little, but it's all you need. It's all you need. I just need a moving of the Holy Ghost. I just need to take a moving of the Holy Ghost. And I need to put it in the hands of Jesus. And if I put it in the hands of Jesus, he knows how to break it and he knows how to multiply it. And, 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 and I just believe that when he's done, I think there's going to be 12 baskets. I think there's going to be 12 baskets that he gathers up. I think it's going to be the, I think it's going to be. God, my God, I think heaven's going to smile. I think there's elders that say, hey, man, I think there's a heavenly blessing when you put them together. That's what's in this water. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, lead us in the Holy Ghost, Jesus. Lead us in the Holy Ghost, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm talking, I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about a heavenly administration. I, I, I think, I think that, that. There were elements that were present there that when Naaman dipped seven times, it unlocked things. I, I think it's the same kind of stuff that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are there. And, 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 and Babylon's trying to define them. And so it calls them by their Babylonian names. But these were one God boys. Hanani, Yah. That Yah, that's the name of God tacked on. The oneness of God. It's in my DNA. It's in my bones. It's part of my identity. It's woven through my very name. Azariah. Hallelujah. These were one God boys. These were guys standing firmly on the 12 patriarchs. And they were getting ready to open up something in the Holy Ghost that nobody could have imagined. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I can see Nebuchadnezzar turning red in the face. I can see his apoplectic fit as he's ready to, ready to kill them. If you don't bow down, there's, there's a spirit of this age that wants you to bow down. It, it does not want you to baptize in Jesus' name. It does not want you to know that there's one God, only one God, only one God. God and it wants to destroy the revelation that there is one God but there's got to be a generation of one God people that stand up and say we know who he is and if we're going to get in trouble about something we might as well get in trouble about representing God and if you don't bow down to the idol I will heat it up seven 
I don't even know if they heard the rest of that. I just see one of them go, what? Did he just say what I thought he said? I think he did. He said seven. And I'm going to shamelessly rip off of Joel Buxton right now. Joel, if you're listening, I love you. I'm about to preach some of your message. It was too good to let it go. I heard him preach a message not too long ago. He said something. I'm going to say it right now in Spokane. You've got to let your fire get hotter than hell's fire. Seven times hotter. Seven times. I wish we could start something burning in this place that was hotter than anything hell had. I wish we could start something burning in Spokane that would explode out into the Northwest, explode out into the United States. That's hotter than lust. That's hotter than alcoholism. That's hotter than worldly music. That's hotter than Hollywood. Seven times. Seven times. Seven when you're hotter than hell, your captors die throwing you in. When you're hotter than hell, the ropes burn off. When you're hotter than hell, you'll see the fourth man, and he's like unto the Son of God. I believe that when those boys said we'll never bow I believe the seven lamps pulsed Jesus in the name of Jesus help me God I want this to be a work of the Spirit. I don't want this to be a work of Nathan Urshan. I don't want it to be some fancy talking and some slick message. I want, it, I want the seven candlesticks. I, I, I want them burning. I want them burning in this room. I want you to see the showbread. I want you to push back the darkness. God. But the male, the Bible says that... that when John saw the lamb slain, said it, he said he had seven eyes and seven horns. He had spiritual vision and he had spiritual authority. See, I think we need to preach with the balance of vision and authority. I think if we preach nothing but vision and no authority, I think that we'll lose the doctrine. And I think we'll slip off the deep end. And I think if we preach with too much authority and not enough vision, I think we'll kill people and we'll kill churches and we'll destroy fellowship. I think you got to have a balance of both. And the lamb had the balance of both. There was, there was several men who understood the Old Testament, but they knew nothing of the new, and they caught a woman. They caught her in the very act. And you're going to find people that get caught in the very act. And there's a lot of people that want to kill them. And if you're all horns and you're no eyes, you'll do that. You'll kill them. Shame on you if you kill new people when they come in your church. 
Shame on you if you don't have eyes to see. Shame on you if you don't understand that once you were in sin and once you were in bondage and what you the lamb looks at things different than the way we look at things and Moses said she needs to die and every two-eyed man in there was ready to give judgment but the lamb saw things they didn't see and I'm so glad he sees things different than what I see them He was caught in the very act. Where's the guy? And the lamb who sees the beginning and sees the end, and he sees it all. He sees those men letting their buddies slip out of the back flap of the tent. And you're ready to kill her, but, but you let your buddy go. And the lamb sees an abuse, abusive childhood. The lamb sees a father that left before she even really knew who he was. I don't know the exact details. All I can tell you is the lamb sees. And if you're going to have revival, you've got to have eyes of the spirit. You've got to have eyes that see further than the immediate circumstance. You've got to have spiritual eyes and spiritual authority. And they better be balanced. Because if they are, you're going to grab that lady. And you're going to say, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn thee. Go thy way. Sin no more. And it'll be a work of the Spirit. I want to talk to every person in this room that's struggling with bitterness forgiveness is a work of the spirit and I believe that when the seven lamps are burning bitterness will let go I want to talk to somebody that somebody hurt you I want to talk to somebody that's been stabbed in the back by a brother I want to talk to or a sister somebody that you trusted I want to talk to somebody about that and you you can't stand them maybe you hate them maybe you relive the moment maybe it's decades later I'm talking to people wrestling with bitterness for just a second God wants to set you free from that prison cell because it's got to be a work of the spirit the Bible says they asked Jesus How many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? He said, I said 70 times seven. And I used to think that was 490 times, Brother Mayo. And they'd do me wrong again, and I'd chalk it down. It's 394. Yes, sir. We're getting somewhere now. And they said it wrong again, 395. I'm getting my boxing gloves on. 491. Bop! Now what? Now what? Ain't funny now, is it? (laughs) I'm free in Christ, baby. 491 times. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus wasn't trying to give you a lesson in math and basic arithmetic. Jesus was telling you that the lifespan of a man is 70 years, if by reason of strength, 80. Hallelujah. 
and it will be a lifetime of spiritual activity. You will forgive them. You will forgive them. And before you think I've lost my mind, I want you to see Joseph looking and seeing 12 sheaves of wheat and seeing 12 stars up in heaven. And I want you to see seven fat cows and seven skinny cows, seven ears of corn, seven blasted ears of corn. And I want to tell you the same elements are at work in the life of Joseph. And he's been betrayed and he's been locked up and he's been done wrong. And if you give up in the middle of the trial, you're going to miss out on the authority and the work of the spirit that God is doing. But God's got a doorway into a throne room, man. And God's got a plan for you and he's not going to leave you in that jail cell even if it's unjust even if it's not right God knows how to make it right Ah, and let me talk to those of you that have been hurt by preachers let me talk to, to those of you that have been hurt by people in leadership that have been let down by people that failed and people that messed up. For every person that's ever fallen out there, there's a Laban experience where you were taken advantage of. And I know exactly what that means. And I know what it feels like to be stolen from. And I know what it feels like to be mocked. And I know what it feels like to be unjustly treated. Hallelujah. But I just believe that when, when, he, when Jacob saw Rachel, he said, how long do you want me to work for? He said, I want you to work seven years. All right. And when the seven years is up, I'm ready. Laban lies, Laban steals, because that's what, that's what crooked leaders do. And corruption in leadership, listen to me, is no reason to backslide. The church is worth it. Listen to me. The church is worth it. Hallelujah. And I'll work seven more years. I'll let this thing compound. I'll put seven and seven together. And when it's all done, I'll give birth to 12. And when I give birth to 12, I'll wrestle with an angel. I'll have my name changed. I'll become the leader. That's the stuff that's in these waters. I'm reminded of the story of Morris Golder. He was the heir apparent of G.T. Haywood. G.T. Haywood, Crimson Stream of Blood, and all of the anthems we sing. Morris Golder takes his place. But the Haywood dies in his early 50s. Morris Golder comes in. He takes his place. Powerful preacher of the gospel. And he hadn't pastored that church not very long. And he offended a woman. The woman was scorned. She was angry, and she came in. She went to the elders of the church, and she said, I had an affair with him. There's probably no worse thing that can happen to a man of God. And, and, the, and they called Morris Golder, they called him the Prince of Preachers. He, he was an orator. He, was, he had a silver tongue. He was, he was the guy, he was the guy that was taken over from G.T. Haywood. The mantle of Bishop Haywood fell on Morris Golder. 
And the people believed. Enough. Nobody knows for sure. And it's tough when you're dealing with an unfair accusation. And it's tough when you've got to forgive. And it's tough when you've got to keep on keeping on. And Morris Golder left the church under a cloud of suspicion. And he said, all right, I'll go. I don't want any trouble. It's not true. But only time's going to tell. So, and he walked out and he went across town and he started another church from nothing. And a man of God walked out with a candlestick back out into the darkness and said, even though they did me wrong, the church is worth it. Keep, keep the lamps burning. Keep the, now maybe you understand why. Why Naaman dips seven times. It's a work of the Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit. And he went across town and he built the church. He built it from the ground up. And people that believed him came and they had church and they outgrew the first church. And revival was so powerful and so hot. And and people were getting the Holy Ghost hand over fist. And decades passed. And the cloud was still there. But God's spirit empowered the man of God. And as happens. The original church fell on hard times. Their pastors fell into sin. They fell into dysfunction. And they were facing bankruptcy. People had left. There was a handful of people left. And Bishop Golder stood over there on the other side of town with a powerful church that was literally blowing the doors off. And what an opportunity to gloat. What an opportunity to straighten your tie. But that's not what the guy with the candlesticks does. And that man of God walked into the boardroom of his old church and he looked in the faces of his old accusers and he said, I'll pay your mortgage note until you get back on your feet. And he paid it for one year and he paid it for two years and he paid it for year after year until the church could get its footing back and it rose back to prominence and both churches continued to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm trying to tell you that forgiveness is a work of the spirit. I don't care what Laban does. I don't care what your brother or sister did. You just get into the sevens and you just start walking with God and you let the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of it was on his deathbed it was on the lady's deathbed that she said call Bishop Golder because I'm dying and now he's an old man he's got a cane and he walks into that room it's been decades It's been the better part of a century and the lie has stood all that time. And he walked to the bed of his accuser and she said, Bishop, I'm so sorry. I lied. I hated you. And I'm going to die 
with that sin undone in my life, could you ever find it in your heart to forgive me? And he looked down at that woman who was the source of such pain. And he said, sister, I forgave you the day you did it. I'm talking about a work of the Spirit. I'm not trying to settle any scores. I'm not trying to take shots at anybody. I'm trying to grab a hold of the Spirit of God. I'm trying to let it work in my life. I'm trying to dip seven times in this muddy river and let a work of the Holy Ghost loosen my, in my life. Seventy times. Seven. Let's lift our hands to heaven. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. Come on, Naaman. That's the stuff that's in these waters. Come on, preacher's wife. I know that what that pastor did is hurting you and tearing you apart, but it's time to dip seven times. It's time to come down into this water. That's the stuff that's in these waters. It's time to let it go. I don't care what they said. I don't care what they look like when they said it. It's time to let it go in the name of Jesus. It's time to let Laban go. It's time to let your accuser go. It's time to let those that dip. It's time to forgive them and dip seven times. You're going to come up out of that water a baby. You're going to come up out of that experience brand new. You're going to get your joy back. You're going to get your salvation back. You're going to get your power back. I'm closing. I want you to lift your hands to heaven right now. I want to unleash something in this house right now. I want, I want there to be an authority unleashed in this house. I want there to be doctrine unleashed in this house. I want there to be a work of the Holy Ghost unleashed in this house. Come on, Naaman. You got to come down in these waters. There's stuff in here. There's stuff in here that'll change everything. Come on home missionary I want you to grab a candlestick I want you to walk forward In the authority of the four and twenty elders I want you to walk forward In the authority of the old and the new testament And I want you to boldly walk into your city In the name of Jesus That's what's in these waters. That's what's in these waters. The Holy Ghost is here right now. The Holy Ghost is here right now. Hallelujah. On a Thursday night in Spokane, Washington, I want you to let God... I want you to let God instill that spirit on the inside of you. I want you to rebuild an old altar. And I want you to splash the New Testament right over the top of it. 
I want seven candlesticks to walk into the darkness clutch tightly in your hand come on Naaman seven times come on get rid of your bitterness get rid of your anger There's a lamb who's got seven eyes. There's a lamb who has seven horns. And he does all things well. And the lamps pulse. And they flicker. And the four and twenty elders witness. In the name of Jesus. there's a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost here right now I want, I want pastors to find their wives I want you to I want you to know that you're not alone I want some of these people to find these home missionaries I want you to find I want you to find your man of God I want you to help them pray as men of God walk into the dark heaven's going with you That's the stuff that's in these waters. You're walking into Berkeley. You're walking into Alameda. You're walking into Spokane. You're walking into Portland. You're walking into Boise. Come on. Come on, come on, walk in the authority of heaven. Come on, Naaman, the ingredients are all here. Everything you need is in these waters. Everything you need is in these waters. Come on, bring your five loaves, bring your two fish. Come on, come on, come on. Gather up the fragments and then do it again.